3: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Kids are back in school and Labor Day is upon us. It's that time of year when summer really ends, and for many of us, it's the real new year, a time to figure out what the next season of our lives is going to hold. And so, we're talking about journaling today that multifaceted practice of getting words on paper, not for anybody else, but for ourselves. We'll talk with a diary expert from Mortified, a therapist who uses journaling to help clients heal, and a writer who's going to guide us through a little exercise live here on the air. Grab your pen and paper. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum, I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking journaling, the whys and the hows and the cringe. And this show marks a milestone in our digital community too, which we've been building over on the platform Discord. When we first envisioned having a community place where we could engage more deeply than we do here on the air, we thought about how fun it would be to have longtime listeners who know what we all do here together, suggesting shows. And indeed, one of our users, Mickey Time from the East Bay, suggested this show on journaling. She's kept a journal on and off for many years and she wondered what can we accomplish with regular journaling? So our community producer, Francesca Fenzi, brought the idea to our whole forum crew then produced the show and here we are. We have the perfect panel to help answer Mickey Time's question and a bunch of others and also just to show the breadth of this practice for creativity, mindfulness, and humor as we get ready for the post-Labor Day rush. We're joined this morning by Thaisa Frank, author of Finding Your Writer's Voice and Five Books of Fiction, writing instructor with the San Francisco Writer's Grotto, and winner of the Pushcart Literary Prize in 2023. Congratulations, and thanks for joining us, Thaisa. Thank you. We're also joined by Scott Lifton, host and producer of Mortified. Welcome, Scott. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. And we've got Jenna Robinson, a professor of psychology at CIIS and the Wright Institute. She's a licensed marriage and family and expressive arts therapist. Welcome, Jenna.
4: Right on. Thank you for having me.
3: Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, Taisa, let's start with you. I mean, you're a writer of celebrated fiction and nonfiction books. How do you, what's the role of journaling in that, uh, in that work?
5: Well, that's an interesting question because, of course, journaling has to feel good to you. So if somebody says, well, this is how you do it, it isn't necessarily right for you. But uh, writers generally keep journals to keep track of what they're interested in. Hmm. And, you know, there are journals where you can just recount what happened blow by blow. You can do free writes. uh, You can have prompts. But the kind of journal that I'm interested in is a journal in which you discover what you don't know, and I call it making the journal dangerous. Hmm. In a way, um, the writer is kind of an endangered animal. That is, we sort of follow them around, learning their habits, (laughs) and it isn't necessarily true that we discover them right away you know we sort of follow them in the woods and they're very elusive but this particular uh exercise I think has been very helpful Mm. and what it's it's very simple all you have to do is run your mind through what happened to you today Mm. and And we're
3: going to do that I don't think we're going to do it quite yet Okay, But I don't think we're going to do it quite yet. But I love the idea just to prep people out there. We're going to do this exercise. right? And she's going to give us these uh, detailed instructions as, as we get to it. Um, but let's hang on to it for just a sure. few minutes. Um, Scott, uh, I imagine you can learn a lot about people from their journals because, you know, if you're producing Mortified, what you're doing is you're looking at a lot of diaries from people's past. What have you noticed after reading a bunch of journals? <laughs> That's a great question.
6: Um, yeah, you just notice over a span of time, there's a lot you can tell at someone's journal. Um, you know, obviously things, change. you know, our show is just about, Uh, everyone being vulnerable despite age and and gender and sex and sexual preference and all that. But, but you do start seeing, especially from these diaries in the eighties, you see like women making lists more often of just like trying to uh, understand their way in the universe. Hmm. Um, Like what kind of lists, what kind of lists are we talking? Oh, a list of, uh, you know, I've seen lists of guys. They want to date guys. They can't date things. They look for in a person uh, things they want to improve. You just, 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 it's just a thing again i've been looking through journals for like t- almost 20 years and just it, for teenage journals especially and it just list you're like look at all these lists you know, yeah it keeps popping up you know or i also see things where people like oh my poetry for my teenage years is so embarrassing and then i read it and when it's really good when they're maybe like in seventh grade or sixth grade and it's really good poetry i always like are you a writer now and they're like yeah and I like, <laughs> okay i can tell there's, there's a pattern. i thought That's you probably. were gonna say yeah you're right the poetry's embarrassing no, Sorry, <laughs> kid. yeah to them to them it's awful but I was like no this is actually Actually, for that age this is pretty insightful and well written and pretty good uh but yeah i don't you find that people are on some level kind of the same some of that basic you know people people go through these journals and like some of the stuff still comes up for them mm. and some are able to kind of step back and be like, okay i was that and that's a part of
3: me but, but, but i've grown and i've got a better sense and perspective of things yeah how do you find a good story among the sort of mess of the teenage journals that you see in mortified yeah it's a it's a process it's it's kind of like a therapy session um you know if somebody comes
6: to us and they got a bunch of journals and we have to find like a, like an arc to a story i mean it's their real lives but we're using found material so it might be you know if they're trying to write these letters to celebrities or they're after like the quarterback of the team we're like okay you want people that maybe you couldn't get, maybe like out out of reach, you know, were you afraid of love? And like, I don't know. I said, were your parents divorced? Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah. And they're like, oh, did you think, yeah, it was an ugly divorce. Maybe I was afraid of love. And then we're, you know, there's an arc to a story, right? There's a, Okay, my parents are divorced. I think it was afraid of love and so there were these people I couldn't get. And then I need an ending, but it's found material, so I'll ask them a big. Like, Is there someone you finally asked out and it worked or did you ask out and get, at least and get rejected but you were brave and they said, "Yeah, I do have this poem I wrote about it" and now we've got an arc to a story. But it. it's going through a lot. It's getting very personal. Um, and it sounds like trying to make
3: sense of a life, which is hard enough. Uh, as yeah. <laughs> start. what about, um, that performance element? You know, a lot of journals, people use them, you know, in a very private way. In this case, we're kind of turning it around and, and you're performing these like most vulnerable moments. Do you think there's something, I mean, obviously people enjoy that along some dimension. What do you think they get out of it?
6: Yeah, and I was I was a performer before I was a producer, so I can even speak personally. Yeah. There, there is a very cathartic process. You are going on stage, you are being your authentic, vulnerable self, and you are being cheered on like a like a rock star. And also the fact that you can just go up there and say this really embarrassing thing about yourself and just be like, "Great, I, I'm okay." Like they were again. The point of our show is again across all ages and races and boundaries. Nobody knows what what they're doing out there, and like once you can accept that, like yeah, I was awkward, I did this, and I'm fine, and I'm good, and and be be cheered on for yourself. It's kind of a high, and people often say it is a very cathartic experience. You walk wow, a little positive, a little less shame um, about things, a little more confidence, and. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a great way to get that actor's high without having to memorize anything. All you have to do, you don't have to sing, you don't have to dance, you
3: just got to be yourself. <laughs> it's funny. I do this show every day. The idea of doing Mortified, I'm just like running for the exits. I could not do it. I could absolutely could not do it. That's so funny.
6: Some people love it. Some are, yeah, are scared. There are some that have approached me and say, you know what, I want to do this because this is
3: very scary to me. Yes. You know, I want to tackle that book kind in of my person. past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, we're talking about journaling with Scott Lifton, host and producer of Mortified. Thaisa Frank, author of Finding Your Writer's Voice and five books of fiction, a writing instructor at the Grotto in San Francisco and winner of the Pushcart Literary Prize in 2023. And Jenna Robinson, professor of psychology at CIIS and the Wright Institute. Of course, we want to hear from you. Do you have a journaling practice? What works for you? Would you want to share a small section of your journal? A little bit later in the show, we're going to do an exercise all together, and you'll get a chance there. But if you've got something you've already written, in short. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. Twitter, Facebook, Threads, KQED Forum, as we've, as we've been talking about. We also have our digital community over on the platform Discord. You can go to kqed.org slash forum to figure out how to join. Um, Jenna, let's uh, talk with you a little bit about a kind of different use of journaling, which is, you know, the kind of therapeutic value of writing and sharing your, kind of your own story.
4: Yeah, sure. I, I gotta say it's not too different than what Scott was talking about. <laughs> it. I I think that, you know, depending on what people are interested in, there's a uh, a lot of catharsis and um some of the work that I do, um I'm in I've been in an intensive training as a poetry therapist. Uh and within the realm of poetry therapy, bibliotherapy, journal therapy is a, a specific uh um like field, but it's it's all encompassed in that. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and people sometimes just do it individually. They just want to sh- keep a journal to themselves in their therapy process. Some folks share it with their therapist. Some folks share it with their friends. But um, I do actually a lot of work in groups um, coming from the slam community, slam poetry community. I help mm-hmm. some f- actually get on the stage Too. Uh, Is there a hopefully- big s-
3: slam poetry to therapist pipeline.
4: <laughs> yeah 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 uh, a little different than mortified hopefully people aren't like just <laughs> trying to share their most like embarrassing humili- humiliating <laughs> points but sometimes that does happen for sure yeah. uh but yeah there's 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 a whole nother element that comes from slam and and similar to what Scott was saying uh there is really something about being celebrated and having people witness you um mm. that's really important but yeah. people don't need that to get a lot out of out of writing um yeah
3: you, you work with uh, people of color a lot of queer communities like how do you think narrative writing makes an impact for people who have these marginalized identities or traumatic experiences in their past
4: yeah for sure i i mean th- that's the thing about oppression that's the thing about marginalization is to be silenced is to have your story uh erased to have somebody tell it for you um so it's it's actually one of I think one of the most healing things for folks who've experienced any sort of oppression um, or interpersonal abuse uh, to actually claim their story, to write it, to own it, um, to transform it, uh, and then to sh- you know to potentially share it, uh, so that they have the the right to authorship. It's not what uh, 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 oppressive systems or abusive people say about them. They they actually get to to own their story. Um, and there's a lot of power in being witnessed in that. So, you know, yeah, of course in community, but even just your therapist, um, or really supportive listener, um, hearing that story, uh, changes people's lives. Um, so for folks who are, yeah, experiencing any sort of oppression or, or, uh, abuse it's actually really important that they they tell their story um and i i do say actually working with a lot of folks coming from different backgrounds i don't necessarily emphasize that people have to write it down um to me journaling poetry therapy all of that is it is about words so yes if we can write it down awesome um, but some folks don't have literary skills uh, maybe they speak different languages so as long as they're able to tap into their story and share it uh that's, a, that's the most important part. Yeah.
3: You know, one of our listeners on Discord, Vicky, um, says that one way she gets out of her head is to just ramble 750 words just talking into, <laughs> uh, a, a, and like, not real paper journaling, but literally just recording herself uh, by dictation. So kind of right in the, in the realm that you're talking about. We're talking about journaling with Jenna Robinson, a the therapist, Scott Lifton from Mortified, and Thaisa Frank, a writer and writing instructor at The Grotto. We'll be back with more right after the break. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about journaling with Jenna Robinson, a therapist, Scott Lifton, host and producer of Mortified, and Thaisa Frank, author of Finding Your Writer's Voice and Five Books of Fiction, a writing instructor at the San Francisco Writers Grotto. Um, Thaisa, we are now going to do a little journaling exercise. Um, before we get started, how do you think people should journal effectively? Or what's, what's, what are some tips you might have for people to journal effectively?
5: Well, you're asking me to tell about the exercise before we do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Let's do uh, it. So what I would really like to do is to just do the exercise and then later talk about what it does. Sure. If that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So um, are we ready? Uh, okay. Um All of us have what's called a day, (laughs) some a day that we can talk about, a day that has certain events, a day that we can remember. And it's very early in the morning for many of us to have had a day, but uh, nonetheless, if I just go back and think and tell you about my day, I'm going to give you a running narrative. And the running narrative is something like, I woke up, uh, I was uptight about being late, I fiddled with my cell phone, Uh, I finally got to the city, and it'll be a narrative about my day. But suppose I let my mind drift and just remember, remember. What I saw today, Mm. and I'll tell you, what I remember is the spray of sea that I could see from the cab and the amazingly beautiful steps that KQED Forum has. There are all lots and lots of steps, very blonde, and in the middle, a kind of sculpture of steps. So what I'd like you to do is just drop your going narrative about your day, let your mind drift, and write down one or two things that you remember. All
3: right. Let's bring up a little, we have a little writing music for people, and you're going to get a, uh, you know, just a minute or a minute and a half here to, to do this. We'll, we'll yeah. pop. We'll pop in. Yeah. right we're doing a little journaling exercise here that's what we've been up to in case you haven't been paying attention we uh well you can wrap it up here um with your pen and paper or your note on your phone or type it on your computer or if you were you know just doing it in your head because you're uh in your car you were just journaling about your day trying to remember some concrete images and sensations not like well, you know, woke up, went to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
5: Right. And and so all I would add is that over time, without trying, you're really bringing out the qualities of this endangered animal. You're educating yourself about what you notice and what naturally interests you. And I'll give you just one example from my own experience. Uh, one of the things that I always end up writing about is how food looks on a plate. Mm. If I've had dinner, I'm going to tell you what it looks like. And at one point I talked to a friend about this journal and, they, and about the food, and they said, it's so boring. And I said, well, that's just the point. But what's interesting is that in two of my novels, I have feasts, <laughs> and I don't think that would have happened if I hadn't written about so much food. So you're really developing a lexicon, your own personal lexicon of concrete images that interest you.
3: Yeah. Let's uh, let's bring in our first caller here. Let's bring in uh, Peter in Oakland. Welcome,
8: Peter. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, good, good. Um, well, first, I just wanted to say that make your... Journal Dangerous, what a generative frame. Um, I thought that, that really hit me. I and mean, then kind of speaks to the practice that I've developed or have been using. Um, and I call it kind of like a drop journal. Hmm. And the practice is really oriented around developing a practice of unblocking yourself. And so the method um, that I, the way that I describe it using kind of like a metaphor is thinking of this journal a bit like a pause button or a camera. And so... When you notice yourself resonating with or resisting something, uh, the method invites you to just simply name what's giving rise to that sensation and then let it go. Mm. Um, and like no tagging or sense making. And the idea is that in these tiny moments, you're simply creating like a, a portal or a ping back to the, the feeling for your future self. Mm. And then... And then kind of like when you're ready to revisit, similarly, like in small liminal windows, when you otherwise might open up like TikTok or Instagram or scroll the feed, um, you go back to these pings and see what speaks to you and um, maybe respond to them or, or kind of tease them apart. What might have been speaking to you in that moment when you felt compelled to kind of jot that thing down? And the idea is that if you do that consistently, then these kind of durable truths about what's important to you might surface. And then because you're making some habit of this, they become easier for you to reach for, remember in the kind of fleeting moments when you have opportunities to embody them. And, yeah, this is a a practice that has kind of emerged from a personal need and kind of intersects with my work at the Wikimedia Foundation, where I um, build the software people use to edit Wikipedia.
3: Oh, man. Peter, what a beautiful practice. You called it drop journaling, right?
8: Yeah, yeah. I yeah, because th- like you've can... a little website called dropjournal.org. Oh, <laughs> fun.
3: All right. Well check it out. If people are interested, you can check it out. dropjournal.org. Um, I love that, Peter. Um, you know, uh, Jen, I'm gonna come to you on this in in just a second, but we also want to make sure um people have a chance to join the conversation. You know, we did that little journaling exercise. If you wrote something, you wanna tell us about that. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. You could email us which you wrote, of course, to forum at kqed.org or hit us up on the different uh, social things. Um, Jenna Robinson, I mean, drop journaling sounds like a therapeutic practice to me.
4: Yeah, that I. it, it sounds like it to me too, the the idea of, of naming something and, and just letting it go, not really diving into it too much, um, and then coming back to it later. Um, that's, that's an amazing practice. And do you
3: use things like, I don't know, gratitude journals or some of the other kind of more structured journaling things that now exist out there?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I give people prompts. Um, I don't necessarily give them uh, like a structured journal to fill out if people, I encourage people if they find one to fill it out and to stay with it and to bring that into session. Um, but I, I give people prompts because I, I think for a couple of reasons, um, when I, I work with a lot of trauma survivors um, and just telling people to write, uh, to just tell people to write for an uncontained amount of times actually can be really triggering um, and um dysregulating for a lot of folks. Um, so so some sort of containment um, is really helpful. Uh, and also a lot of people don't know what to do. You just give them a, a piece of paper. One of the worst things for creativity is to just give a, a blank piece of paper or a blank canvas. Like giving some sort of rules or limits actually boosts our creativity. So it, it gives people a way in. So I'll, I'll say, I think um, I heard someone talk about lists. Lists are actually a really... <laughs> it's a really common journaling practice. Um, Kay Adams has the hundred the hundred list. You just do a list of a hundred things. So, yeah, a gratitude list, a, a gratitude practice. Um, having uh, specific sensory journals, um, having trauma journals, um, having. Who well, I've worked with people on junk journals where they actually bring in other art material hmm. um, with their writing too. Um, yeah, so
3: interesting. Got a few other uh, listeners with, you know, just their thoughts on how they journal. One listener writes, in a time when I was too busy and tired to keep a journal, I decided to write a haiku a day as a way of journaling. A listener on Discord writes, I'm a chronic journal starter, but rarely a journal finisher. One thing that really helped me to commit and keep going was to get a super cheap, super unlovely spiral notebook. I've tried bullet journals and fancy planners, but usually get stalled in the actual journaling process when trying to decide on what thoughts are, quote, important enough to chronicle. I guess my rationale is if I throw all my thoughts in a notebook that's not meant to be taken too seriously, maybe I'll capture both meaningful and frivolous ideas eventually." And Tony on Discord writes, my handwriting's really poor. I do some journaling on paper. I just love how the paper feels, but I often transcribe them into a text file just so I can read what I wrote down and find it again. I feel you, Tony. Same same here. Um, Scott, um, you have gone through the process of turning some of your own journals into a piece that you've performed. Ta- talk to us a little bit about that piece.
6: Oh, wow. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this was uh, from when I was 16, and... Um, I had a crush on a girl that was. Uh, she was dating a college guy. It was way out of my range, and so this kind of chronicles uh, my f- my first girlfriend, who was not that person. Uh, it was kind of the first uh, girl that showed me any attention whatsoever, and so it was just like uh, we were friends, and 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 it was a she was a female, and this was working, and it was happening. It was very exciting, and I think you know I even say in my intro I was willing to overlook certain things like having nothing in common and no sense of attraction at all. And so, uh, this journal. Starts off with me like so giddy. I'm like second day anniversary, one week <laughs> anniversary. Everything is in celebration, and I'm so excited. Ah, uh, the one and week like,
3: anniversary of middle school. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
6: yeah. This is a two and a half month relationship, which mm, in high school, serious, years, very like, serious. That's yeah. like three years, right? Yeah, uh, it's like dog you years. were basically married. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that comes up a lot, and then in those two months, my tone changes, and you just see. And I, I quickly turn into a prick, and it's it's probably the fact of like in this first time the novelty wearing off and realizing that, you know, this is just, it was a person, but it was not anything good happening there. And so there's also a first breakup. And then, yeah, even in the journals, I keep talking about why go steady with someone unless you're going to get married to them. And this <laughs> pressure of marriage when I'm, it's a first girlfriend and I'm 16. It's very strange. Uh, but anyway, so then it goes into our our breakup, but, but the happy ending of it is uh, when I first start Feeling dismayed in the relationship. I'm finding all the things wrong. So I talk about she doesn't like Batman. She doesn't like Star Wars. She doesn't like cheese. Usually when I say (laughs) cheese, cheese is the deal breaker there, Scott. Yeah, that's (laughs) when I say that on a show. When I say cheese, the audience gets really upset for me. You know, it's where were you then? Uh, But the end of the story is so I, you know, I break up with her. But then I talk about I had performed this at a mortified years ago. And the next day I'm sitting around with my girlfriend and I have this epiphany because I'm looking around at the situation. And what I realize is we are like watching Star Wars together. She's wearing a Batman t-shirt and then we were eating cheese together. And it's kind of, I did not make it up, but I looked around. I'm like, this is my ending. This is like a real ending. (laughs) It it had changed over the years. The ending used to just be that I broke up with the person and then I'd gotten married and that was like, oh, it's okay. I got married, but then I got divorced. But now this was like the best ending of all. It brings it all full circle. That's perfect. Now
3: you just need to freeze your life perfectly in place and never have anything happen again. You can keep your story. (laughs) You You can keep that uptight. tight. Yeah. Things Um happen. The world changes. I, uh, a listener writes in to say, I'm loving the journaling show. And they actually shared what they wrote while the music was playing. And she wrote, we are creatures of habit, my dog and I. Early morning walk after his breakfast. A girl on a bike startled us both this morning. And we both looked at each other for reassurance. He is mine and I am his. Oh, that's sweet. That'll be a nice moment to remember in the future. Um, Thaisa Frank, um, you know, Scott talked about kind of building from... The components that he has in his Diaries I assume if you're a literary fiction writer taking those building blocks and working them into you know the feasts of your novel is a, is a different process so what do you do do you go back through them do you index them in some way like what, what <laughs> do I make do a list <laughs> yeah do you make a list of lists yeah
5: no I don't um, I just leave them alone because over time the images begin to repeat themselves and form a mm. pattern and uh, you know maybe this sounds a little hokey pokey but as a writer i've got a great trust in in my unconscious and i and i look at the journal that i write as educating my unconscious alerting my unconscious to alert my conscious mind to what it's interested in mm. and so i have a kind of a kind of lazy faith <laughs> in 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 the in the beauty of recording things again and again and they sort of begin to imbue your sensibility like ink in a drop of water yeah
3: or even just it feels a little bit like um Developing a photo, you know, you put the kind of chemicals in the right order and then something's going to emerge there, you know.
5: The way photos used to be when you would dip it in the solution and suddenly Mm -hmm. this magic picture would appear. Yeah, that's so
3: cool. You know, Jenna, I wonder if you see an analogous process that sometimes happens in therapy as these kind of patterns emerge from people kind of returning to the same things over and over.
4: I, I mean, yeah, that's therapy. I, I mean, like, that's, that's therapy in a nutshell is, is that we have these patterns. I, I think it's really easy, especially for, I mean, for clients, but but for early therapists, um, people early in their training to get really stuck in content. So what people are talking about, um, and, and that's not what therapy is about. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's not about working out the fight. Um, it's about the way in which we communicate. It's about the patterns. It's about the the things that we bring in. Um, so so you have to get really uh, aware of process. You have to start noticing dynamics um, and and not get so caught up in the content. So yeah, the way in which people write, um, the patterns that they have is much more. It can be much more important to work through um and use that as either a tool or something to yeah heal heal through uh than necessarily the content of what they're writing mm. uh, yeah, and actually um something that was being said about about the unconscious, you know writing is a is a a strategy to tap into uh a free association and and there's actually some research there's a book called your Brain on ink. It's a journal therapy a uh, book that talks about the the neuroscience of expressive writing um by Kay Adams and uh, Deborah Ross, I believe. Um and it's part workbook, uh, part information. And they talk about, you know, the, the the actual things that happen to our brain while we're writing, um especially if you're writing physically. Um there's a kind of kinetic distraction that happens that allows our um kind of our right side of our brain, our more mechanical, logical side of our brain to be distracted, which <laughs> provides more space for the emotional, expressive side to kind of come out. Sometimes that's why people are writing and they don't feel anything, uh, but then after they read it and they, they maybe are really emotional, maybe they cry um, mm-hmm. because their their brain actually was kind of tricking them. We were kind of tricking ourselves um, to allow that out. Yeah. yeah
3: and that book was the brain on ink right
4: your your brain your on brain ink.
3: on ink your brain on ink.
4: yeah for your that brain there.
3: on um another listener writes in today today's journal exercise colorful ordin- orderly steps leading up from is it avalon so many colors as if the cats lining the streets had all donated a slice of themselves and they'd been pressed together nearly to form a path for the mind to traverse into the residential ether love this exercise what fun we're talking about journaling with jenna robinson a licensed marriage and family therapist and expressive arts therapist scott lifton host and producer of mortified and thaisa frank author of finding your writer's voice and five books of fiction she's a writing instructor with the san francisco writers grotto love to hear from you if you have a journaling practice the numbers 866-733-6786 if you can't get through there try the email forum at kqed.org i'm alexis madrigal stay tuned Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about journaling with Scott Lifton, host and producer of Mortified, Jenna Robinson, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and Thaisa Frank, a writer and author of Finding Your Writer's Voice. I want to add another voice into our conversation. John in San Mateo. Welcome. Hey there.
0: It's a delight to be with you. I'm loving the show today. Oh, that's
3: great. And I believe you are into nature journaling. Um, tell me a little bit about that practice.
0: That's, that's right. Um, I, I, I follow a practice which we, uh, which, which we call nature journaling. By, by we, I mean there's a very large active community in the San Francisco Bay Area and worldwide of, of people doing this. And what, what it involves is, is t- grabbing your notebook and going out into natural places and spaces and using that notebook to document and to describe all the wonders of nature that you see around you. And if you like drawing, it can be mostly drawing. Or if you like writing, it's mostly writing. If you're a counter and a numerical person, it can be filled with, with, with you know how many of this bird I saw and this bird I saw. But we encourage people actually to use all three when possible of these different modes of exploring things. And so we're trying to give our brain just more ways of connecting with whatever phenomenon we're looking at Hmm. looking out first at the objects around us and then using this, this same uh, intense observation to, to, to notice what's going on inside, Hmm. to pay attention to what do I notice? What do I wonder about? Not just with the physical world around me, but how do I interact with that?
3: Hmm. And do you find, yeah, John, do you find that after, you know, putting that intense attention out into the natural world that when you look back inside and you do introspection, that, that it's different?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because first of all, that you're, you're, um, one of your, your presenters talked about that sort of that, that you know, it was a kinetic disruption. I like that idea. Um, but also when you go out anytime, your brain is just filled with chatter when you are able to sit down beside any phenomenon, that could be from an animal that you found to, to, to pouring out, pulling out a, a vegetable from your refrigerator and looking at it with fresh eyes. Hmm. Your attention can get pulled deeply into this phenomenon. It stills and quiets all of that noise and chatter. You get into a flow state where you are, you are, are absolutely present with whatever you're looking at. And in that state, when you turn your attention inward, you will notice layers that weren't visible to you before. Yeah.
3: Hey, John, thank you so much. Um, real quick, um, where can people go if they want to get connected into this nature journaling community?
0: Well, there, there, are, there are lots of uh, wonderful things that are going on right now. This is a... Uh, uh, an, an excellent time to to do this. One big wonderful resource is we've started a nonprofit organization to help people do this, and that's the Wild Wonder Foundation. Yeah, and wild. You go to wildwonder.org. Wonder, wild dot org. Perfect. Great. And there you can also find out about we have on September thirteenth through seventeenth we have a nature journaling conference where we've brought in more than twenty five different journalers, some are writers, some are poets, some are are, are artists and authors, um, including uh, Amy Tan, who is a really active nature journalist, really into birds. Oh,
3: man, so Our cool, children. John. Um, so that is going to be wildwonder.org, and they've got an event coming up uh, beginning September 13th. Thank you so much, uh, John, for filling us in on on um, nature journaling. Sounds like actually right up my particular alley. Um, Scott, I know you gotta uh, take off, but if people heard your description of mortified and they want to, you know, reach out and they've got a you know bevy of high school journals that they love, um, how do they? How would they get in touch? Oh
6: yeah, um, go to getmortified.com. There's an area you can click on that says participate. And then that'll get you in contact uh, with me and our crew. And we'll meet up with you in a Zoom call and kind of find the story buried in your teenage uh, diaries, journals, letters, songs,
3: (laughs) screenplays. Yeah. Scott, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Have a great uh, rest of your uh, morning. Excellent. Thanks for having me. This was fantastic. Um, Thaisa, one of the things that um, really struck me about John the Nature Journaler was the idea that there are things you could do before you started journaling that would help you, um, you know, kind of get ready, or things you could do while journaling that would help you do other kinds of tasks. Like, are there any kind of rituals you have to sort of get into the right kind of space to write either, you know, before or during or after journaling?
5: Well, when I first started to write, I was so afraid you know, the writer's fear that you write something about your mother is published in the New Yorker the following week and she <laughs> reads it. So my very first ritual was turn, c- taking a big circle of light around me <laughs> so no one could get in and, and get me so the writing police would not knock at my door and arrest me. Um, but as I've written more, um, I think that I do have a rich, I, I, I do sink into a state of mind, which is a kind of meditative, slow breathing, uh, it might seem slightly spacey to someone else, but it, I don't need a ritual to do it. What I need is to feel relaxed (laughs) Hmm. and Mm -hmm. not worried that the writing police are going to knock on my door.
3: (laughs) I know about those writing police. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're there.
5: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So I think really over time, and I've written for a long time, I really learned the power of sinking into a relaxed state. Sometimes it helps me to read another writer, (laughs) particularly a poet.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I my worry about that is always that then you kind of end up working in their style. You know, it's like a, a transfer yeah, method. No, yeah,
5: that's very dangerous. But if if just the quality of the contemplation and the voice, mm-hmm. the, um, the courage to be contemplative, yeah. that's what comes across.
3: You know, when we did a, a show with Ada Limon, and then we're going to go back to the show where we did a show with Ada Limon, I was, like, writing poems for five days after the show, you know? It was, like, <laughs> under the influence of Ada, the only time I write poems. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's bring in Jim in uh, Mount Shasta.
9: Hey, great to um, participate in this topic. I was so glad to hear you bring this one up. Um, uh, I guess uh, what I wanted to add to the discussion is I use journaling... Um, kind of differently from how it's been described by your panelists in a couple of ways. Um, One thing is that I use my journal, well, I retired a little more than a year ago, and I was kind of worried about my time not adding up to anything. Hmm. And so I use my journal uh, as kind of intentional and proactive, not only reflective. So I have uh, kind of developed like, I make sure that I check in on gratitude and uh, and set an intent for a day. And when I say that, I don't mean a to do list because we all have enough of those. <laughs> uh, and I check in on things like my relationships with people, my physical being, my body mind is my topic, uh, and and things that I've realized or. And so I kind of work on my. I set my intent in the morning, and then I I come back to my journal throughout the day, and then at the end of the day to sort of uh, reflect on what I've done. And the other way that mine is different is that I I consider a very visual activity. So my journal is deliberately visual and graphic. Huh. I, I I kind of wanted to. I've been an aspiring artist for a long time, and. I wanted to learn how to draw better, so part of my my journal is to draw what I see around me so and cool. to use my journal as a way of checking in on that yeah. practice.
3: Jim, I love that. I love all all the additions and modifications, and I I just love the mindfulness of that whole practice. I mean, that makes me, honestly, astonishingly jealous of doing that each day Um, and I I love it so much let's um let's bring in Nancy who also we have a few advice questions for our panel Nancy and uh, Benicia welcome
2: hi thanks for having me so as we speak there's a box of old journals in the closet next (laughs) to me and it sort of feels like a ticking time bomb every time I try to sort you know and declutter I come across this box and I wonder uh, I feel that I will regret or or fear or question if I would regret getting rid of it. But the idea of opening up is like opening a Pandora's box right. back to phases of my life that are intensely traumatic and where I feel like they were completely different lives from the
0: mm.
4: one
2: I'm living now and the person that I am today. And um, I just wonder, you know, what people think about that. Ah. If I were to get rid of them, how would I do it? And what does this even mean about reconciling? our pasts and what's important to hold on to them mm-hmm. uh, from those times.
3: You know, it's funny. There's just not my own, but my partner's journals. There's just such a box in our house, you know, <laughs> it has gone with us from house to house to house. And I think it's kind of the, that, the ticking time bomb box of journals. I mean, let, let's get both uh, Jenna and Tyson. this. Jenna, what, what do you think? How do you, how do you think about that?
4: I I also have that box. And I think I also have a drawer that it's morphed into as well. Um yeah, I, I think this is a really this is a really personal and tough question. I, I will say for myself, I keep mine kind of similar. There are there are stories, there is a past um uh, being held by those books um that I'm a i I'm worried about letting go of because who else will remember what happened to me you know the more that time passes and the more people leave um, there's something about wanting to hold myself my child self um, in keeping those Um, and maybe there's a part of me that thinks I'll have some buried creative genius in there that I'll stumble across one day Um, but I've also heard from folks who have let them go. Um, and, and the healing and the release that comes from that. Mm. Um, so I I don't think that there's a right choice way. I think it's about, you know, tapping into, uh, why you keep it, what you get from keeping it, um, what might be the, um, what might be the barriers to to healing or moving through something if you do keep them. Um and if you decide to move you know to get rid of them, to honor them. You can't mm. just throw them away. You yeah, have you're to going to them. the beach
3: for a bonfire. Yeah. You're gonna stare off into the middle distance. Like yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you
4: need you need to say a prayer. You need to ha- say a thank you. Maybe the, this is a opportunity for you to invite other people mm. and and have a journal goodbye party you know whatever makes sense for you and i would talk to i would talk to someone about that i mean you know have your own uh self um reflective process but talk talk it out and and plan something to to honor their uh what they've held for you uh and then um move on and sometimes that could even just be a personal process of going to the beach of course doing your bonfire but also maybe even just sitting in your room and reading some of it um, mm. And letting it go, uh, yeah. if you feel like you can do that yeah
3: i 'm actually going to um, run back to the phone just because um, this is very funny. Alexandra San Jose, welcome
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really am enjoying this program, and the journaling is so deep in my heart, and the when you speak about keeping them for a long time, I want to tell you the story of my now husband, who I wrote about in my second grade journal. <laughs> I didn't know that that I had done this, but my mom dug up this old journal when he and I got together, and later in life, in my twenties, and this was also after I started writing and journaling about the guy I wanted to marry, and I didn't know who he was, but turned out I knew him all along, and so just that story of full circle. Oh my god! Wait, what did you say, and say and about, about him in second grade, thing. though? I remember verbatim, I said, there's this boy on the bus and he lets me call him whatever names I want to call him. <laughs> um, I can probably even remember the names I called him still. But yeah, so it's it's a really nice thing to sort of reflect on these journals, however old they are. They, they carry a story. And for me, it's definitely they tell there's a projection to them. And I like checking back on my now journals and or a few years ago and seeing if that's where I really want to be. And looking forward because a lot of journaling is, you know, prospecting.
3: Wow! I sorry, Alexander. That was one of the best things someone's ever said on the show. That,
2: <laughs> let's <laughs> me call
3: them so whatever names I want. Just you're just yeah. You knew you were gonna marry him right there at that moment. That's I perfect. clearly
2: was a flirt. Yes. <laughs> oh
3: my gosh, that is amazing! Thank you so much for sharing uh, your story with us. That definitely made my morning. Um, I we have on a uh, couple other uh comments here colleen writes i wondered if the panel might offer some advice i'm a practiced fierce business writer who aspires to become a short story writer I'm interested in activism through writing. Specifically, I keep a journal of story ideas, and I'm a huge fan of moth contributors. But my ideas come in the middle of the night. These thoughts usually follow an emotional experience that causes stress or even sometimes anger. And I feel the need to activate those moments. I've tried to jot them down on a bedside notebook, but this disrupts my sleep. And honestly, my notes look like chicken scratch. Do you have any advice on how to channel and capture those important moments without having to become a night owl? Thaisa?
5: Well, as I'm listening to you, Colleen, is that your name? Colleen, yeah. Yeah, as I'm listening to you, um, I, I'm getting the sense that you really do get inspired and that the writer in you is wants to get out. If mm-hmm. you had a T-shirt, you would say, there's a writer in me trying to get out. And my advice to you might seem a little off, but I suggest you start looking at flash fiction. Hmm. Flash fiction may need not be no more than a hundred words. Uh, Grant Faulkner has a hundred-word flash online. Uh, there are tons and tons of journals of flash. Join Duotrope and find them. And the beauty of flash is that it's very short. You... You can just learn how to write them by just writing them and writing them, and you don't like them, you throw them away, and eventually you learn what it is. And Flash is the only fiction where you can see the individual lines and the whole thing at the same time, because the story's greater than the sum of its parts, right? But you can see the lines and the whole story. So I would suggest you start small, but don't let go of that spark. Yeah. It's there.
3: Um, One last story from a listener. Diana writes, I lost my house in the Tubbs Fire in 2017, and I processed this experience over the years since. The fire in Lahaina drove me to write to the survivors in Maui as follows. The story of your escape from the fire is our story of the California 2017 Tubbs Fire 2018 Paradise, when so many people tragically died in rapidly moving firestorms. We feel bonded with you forever. To call what you have lost a loss belittles what you're undergoing. Yours is the experience of annihilation in a single moment you had to say goodbye to everything you earned for your life effort and some of that are your forebears family heirlooms collections the material record of your life are all gone what helped me the most was banding together with 10 or 12 other people who had also lost everything our fire survivors group met for two hours every week each time a new member joined our support group we retold our stories although our experiences were not mirrors of each other they became collectively our story the power of retelling your story We've been talking about journaling and its power and processes with Thaisa Frank, author of Finding Your Writer's Voice and an instructor at the San Francisco Writer's Grotto. Thanks so much, Thaisa.
5: Welcome. It's lovely to be here.
3: We've also been joined by Jenna Robinson. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and expressive arts therapist. Thank you so much, Jenna.
4: Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been great.
3: It was great. Thank you so much. Earlier, we talked with Scott Lifton, host and producer of Mortified. Thanks again to Mickey Time from the East Bay over on our digital community who suggested the show. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Grace Wan and Fermina Kim.
1: Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts.